Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I am back with a third season. And wow, so much has changed since season two. Mainly in that I've been on my own journey through pregnancy and have joined this crazy, incredible club of motherhood. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pip, a practicing NHS midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness. I have a somewhat relentless passion for ensuring women are empowered with real, honest and reliable information and support throughout their pregnancy. Because my goodness, pregnancy is such a powerful time in a woman's life that is often miraculous and challenging in equal measures. Over the upcoming weekly episodes, I am joined by many leading experts to bring you the evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy and motherhood journey that you need to hear. Needless to say, I had my notebook at hand when recording this season, and I would recommend the same for you too. I hope you're ready for the giggles, knowledge bombs, and empowering chats to commence. But before I get quizzing our guests on this season, I have some questions for you. Have you found yourself with unanswered pregnancy questions? Have you been guilty of trying to navigate the rabbit warren of inaccurate information on the internet? Do you feel that extra support and guidance would be useful to you? If you answered yes to any of these, then fear not. My exclusive Your Pregnancy Journey course is for you. Spaces are limited, so if expert guidance through each stage of your pregnancy and birth preparation and a community support group with 24 access to asking questions sounds like it's for you, then head over to www.midwifepip.com now to check it out. And I look forward to getting to know you better and ensuring your pregnancy journey is the most empowering and positive it can be. You'll also find information all about my antenatal course options on my website. And any questions about choosing the right course for you, then please get in touch via the contact page and I'll be there to help you navigate the right choice. 
The power of our gut. No, seriously, our gut and microbiome are incredible. And it's not until I began planning a pregnancy that I really tuned into and researched gut health and I was literally mind blown. In fact, ensuring a healthy gut and microbiome is one of the ways we can set our children and maternal bodies up for a strong, healthy future. Our gut is connected to so much of our wellness and the evidence really is building. So I think it's important we shout about it and get the word out there to empower more women to consider boosting their gut health to boost their family's future well-being. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca Traylon. Rebecca started her journey at the University of Nottingham studying biology, where she became fascinated in the relationship between diet, health and disease. This led her to study a master's in nutrition at the University of Surrey and practices as an associate nutritionist. Since studying, Rebecca is now the resident nutritionist at ProBio7 and is keen to raise awareness of the importance of gut health and how our resident bacteria can affect our health and well-being throughout our whole life. So welcome, Rebecca, and thank you so much for giving up some time this afternoon to join us and help to inform us about the power of our gut health. Yeah, not at all. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to pick your brains. I can't wait. <laughs> so I feel very lucky to have you uh, to ask all my questions. But before I do, Rebecca, I just wondered if you could explain to us kind of what led you to become so interested in kind of gut health and the microbiome and how you kind of, I guess, got to where you are today with your studies. Yeah, of course. So like you mentioned earlier, and thank you for my introduction, um, <laughs> but I study biology at Nottingham University, um, really enjoyed the course. It was all so fascinating, but it was very focused on kind of molecular and genetics without a kind of bigger picture to understand how this was affecting kind of day to day livelihood um, and affecting people's just kind of wellness. Um, when I was also at university, um, I was rowing, so I was doing a lot of training. So I was kind of health conscious in that sense. So I really wanted to gain a bit of a bigger picture of how kind of all of these little things were affecting the bigger picture. Um, so that led me to study a master's um, in nutrition at the University of Surrey. Um, and as part of this, I was looking at the gut microbiome and how that was kind of affecting our health really. And I've just found it so fascinating. I hadn't really thought about it before. So I just wanted to delve a little bit deeper and a bit further to understanding it. Uh, and then I was really lucky to end up at ProBi7. Um, so we do digestive health supplements. So I really just expanded my knowledge all about kind of the gut health. And actually since learning about it, I've then realized that there's so much in my life that's affected by my gut health. So since I was younger, I had things like hay fever, eczema, asthma. And now I'm like, oh, that's actually related to my immune system, which is all to do with my gut health. Um, I also really struggled with around exams, really bad, like gut symptoms. Um, I never really understood why. And now I know that it's all to do with my gut brain axis, which I'm sure that we'll go on to. Um, so I've now learned how to kind of help that and target that as well. Um, so it's also kind of learning and also a bit of self-discovery as well about myself, which has been great. And then since talking to my friends about it and families, I've realized how many people do struggle with it but a bit embarrassed maybe to talk about it so it's been really nice to open up that conversation oh definitely I feel like it's a really exciting time to be in this sort of role that yeah. you're in because yeah. there's so much coming out um, and as I said I'd never really 
thought about it, understood it, mm. kind of thought I had any issues with my gut microbiome. And it's only until you start delving into the amazing body of evidence that's emerging that you realize that, wow, you know, this really is connected to all of our bodies yes. and can present itself in so many different ways. Um, so yeah, I wonder no, if exactly. you could... I wonder if you could just start off, Rebecca, with telling us what our mm-hmm. gut microbiome actually is. Because I think it's sometimes a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? We kind of hear it, but do we really <laughs> understand it? So yeah, tell us what it is. What's it all about? Yeah, no, definitely. It gets thrown around so much. And then once I had a friend like turn around to me once, she was like, so what actually is our gut? She's like, I really just don't know what this even is. <laughs> what, um, is what actually is your job? <laughs> what are you working on? <laughs> So when we think about our gut microbiome, often people just associate it with kind of the, normally we think of microbiome, we think of things like bacteria and also like yeast and fungi. And we'll just be thinking about those ones that are found like in our tummy, so maybe our large intestines. But actually our gut microbiome refers to all the microorganisms in our gastrointestinal tract. So our gastrointestinal tract, um, bit of a (laughs) long word that. And please it's you saying that, not me. So it's basically a series of long hollow tubes that run all the way from your mouth all the way to your anus. So it's made up of the your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small and large intestines and anus as well. So it's actually kind of all of the guts found all inside of our body. And it has many roles. Um, and I normally like to simplify them into um, defense, um, behavior and mood and nutrition. So when we're thinking about defense, our gut microbiome plays roles in training the immune system to identify substances um, that are potentially harmful and react appropriately. So this actually comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, that I have things like hay fever and eczema, and actually my body hasn't quite learned how to do that and thinks that things like um, dust or pollen is going to be really harmful for me. So I have this massive reaction that it didn't need to do. And then the second role is behavior and mood. Um, So again, like I mentioned, so your gut brain axis, so your gut and your brain are always communicating with each other um, and things in your brain can affect your gut and vice versa. Um, So your gut microbiome has a role in influencing just kind of your mood and behavior. And then finally, you have nutrition. So your gut microbiome is able to digest fiber that we're unable to digest. Um, It can produce beneficial compounds that have beneficial effects way beyond just our gut. Um, and it also can synthesize and absorb certain vitamins and minerals. Um, while there are, I can probably go on and on about all the things that our gut microbiome is doing. It's a very long list, but those are kind of the three things that I like to point out. And it kind of gives you an idea of how important it is and how it's not just playing one role. Um, like you mentioned before, people kind of think, oh, I don't have digestive problems. Like I don't really suffer with bloating or diarrhea. So my gut health must be fine. But actually, there are so many other things that it's having a really big impact in. So it's really thinking about that wider picture. Gosh, yeah, the link between common things like hay fever or eczema Mm. or, I guess, skin breakouts or mood. Like, that's massive, isn't it? I think we all know if someone that has been affected by one of those, if not affected ourselves, who actually potentially could really benefit from, a, I guess, a, a boost in their kind of gut microbiome health. Um, yeah, so that yeah. is really, really interesting. I love that. And I just wondered, how do we how do we know or how can we potentially know mm. whether we have got, I guess, a healthy or an unhealthy microbiome? Um, and what does that look like? What, what does a healthy one look like, I guess, compared to an unhealthy comparison? Yeah. So unfortunately, at the moment, there is no kind of one test that we can do, which will say, 
you definitely have a healthy one and you definitely have an unhealthy one. Um, and everyone's gut microbiome will be completely unique. Um, even identical twins won't have the same microbiome. So that just gives you a sense that everyone's is so different. Um, generally speaking, the more diverse um, your gut microbiome is, so this means that you have several different species of bacteria in your gut, the healthier your gut will be. And then a lack of diversity is generally an indicator of poor gut health um, or having an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria, which can be caused by things in your like lifestyle, diet or medication um, can result in poor gut health. Um, when we're thinking about how do I know or how this is kind of present itself, um, so an unhealthy gut microbiome can present itself in several different ways. You kind of have the classic digestive symptoms, so things like excessive flatulence, acid reflux, diarrhea or constipation. Um, and then you have other signs that you might have not always associated with gut health. So things that I've mentioned beforehand, things like eczema um, and asthma. Um, also things like nutritional deficiencies, maybe a lot of fatigue, brain fog, food intolerances, and maybe quite bad acne as well is another one. However, it is important just to point out, and if you are listening to this now and you go, oh God, I always have diarrhea or oh, my skin's really bad at the moment. Unfortunately, with every, everything, it's so much more complex than that. There are so many different factors um, that are going to be affecting things like this. And I mean, things as well, like bloating and fluctuants, it is normal to a certain extent. Um, so it is hard to really pin exactly what it is to be unhealthy and unhealthy when we're talking about gut microbiome a bit as well like when we're thinking of diet as well an unhealthy and healthy diet is going to look a bit different for everyone um so normally when i'm kind of assessing someone's gut microbiome i actually take a look at their diet and their lifestyle so are they hitting the key things in their diet that we associated with good gut health so things like having a large diversity of different plant-based foods eating enough fiber drinking at least two liters of water daily, um, having ways to reduce their stress, getting outside enough. So normally I would start looking at that first and then assessing whether that kind of is an indicator of good or bad gut health. Brilliant. That's really good to know because it's, it just sounds like so, so powerful. We all want to, I guess, be kind of being able to put ourselves in a box of kind of healthy or unhealthy, but it's not quite that simple. Yeah, there's, no, there's work yeah. to be done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we're looking for maybe a bit of a quick fix, like, oh, there must be one thing I can take for good gut health. Um, and unfortunately, there's not. And I would never recommend something like that. So it is really just getting in kind of the bigger picture and all putting all of the parts together. Perfect. Thanks, Rebecca. Now, when it comes to being women or um, mm -hmm. being pregnant or postpartum, where does our gut health fit into that? Kind of what's the impact that we can have if we do try and concentrate on improving our microbiome at these important times in our lives? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, gut microbiome is going to be so important for everyone, males and females, children, elderly. Um, but being a woman, especially, there are key kind of points in your life. Um, that it is then going to play maybe a slightly bigger role. Um, so things like menstruation, there's actually some changes in your gut microbiome um, and menopause as well. Um, there's going to be changes in your gut microbiome, which are related to estrogen levels. Um, and then, of course, pregnancy and fertility as well. It's going to be really vital. Um, so I think most of your listeners are probably more keen to know about the fertility and pregnancy side. So I'll cover that. Um, so our microbiome actually has a really strong link with fertility. Um, so as I said, that our gut microbiome is everything from our mouth to our anus, and that actually also involves our um, urinary and vaginal tract. 
Um, so you have species of um, bacteria in your vagina that are very specific to that kind of area, very acidic. Um, and actually the number of bacteria, there's a species, I won't go too in depth with this scientifically does it goes kind of a bit, <laughs> it's a bit much even for me, um, but there's a species called Lactobacillus um, and that is present in the female urinary vagina wall and the kind of more dominant, so the more species of that bacteria you have is actually associated with positive reproductive outcomes. Um, so it has a really strong link there with fertility, which I think when we're thinking about if you're there thinking, I'm thinking about getting pregnant, um, what do I kind of need to do? You'll kind of have the tick list of things like folic acid and everything, but mm. I I mean, you wouldn't really think about, oh, is my like vaginal microbiome okay before? No, not at all. Yeah. So that's, that's where it's so important we get that information, isn't it? Because, yeah. um, you know, we'll go on to talk about some of the things we can do to improve our gut health, but actually it's quite a simple thing. So in that t- precious time when you really want to optimise, you know, your... Um, fertility potential and your health and your wellness actually this is a great thing to bring into it isn't it yeah yeah exactly and just something else that we should just be thinking about um as well so then when we look kind of past fertility we've got pregnant and then we're looking at how does my gut microbiome affect pregnancy um so our gut microbiome will actually change during pregnancy um to ensure the optimum development of the fetus it just like is another like ticker how amazing our body is during pregnancy yeah. like the amount that is going on and just to ensure, like, ensure that both you and your like fetus is getting the best kind of sources and for growth is still blows my mind every time oh, I think women about it. amaze me every day. Women's I bodies know. are just incredible, aren't they? Shout out to yeah. us. <laughs> <We're doing well. laughs> um, so when this um, gut microbiome becomes unbalanced, um, so this can be again things I've mentioned like diet, lifestyle, medication. Um, it can link to some sort of complications during pregnancy and there are some links between your gut microbiome and pregnancy outcomes um, or complications like gestational diabetes. Obviously these are very very complex um, conditions and I'm not saying it's a direct correlation um, but it is just something again that when we should just be thinking about um, we think so much about what we're maybe eating during pregnancy what we can and can't eat but I think sometimes looking after our gut microbiome can get slightly um, ignored in that conversation. Yeah, I totally agree, definitely. Yeah, and when we think about, so it's a bit of a phrase that we use when we're thinking about pregnancy um, and infancy gut health is this first 1,000 days. Um, so this is a window which starts from preconception all the way up to infancy. And this is just a really important area of development for your infant. Um, so it's just the time when their gut microbiome is developing. And there's actually been really great research that says this two year period can then have really Im- kind of important, um, like a correlation with their future health. And um, so it can conter- determine things in future health. So that is starting in pregnancy. So you want to be making sure that you're doing everything you can to then ensure that first 1000 days is kind of um, optimized, really. Um, so it's so important to think about that. And then also we're thinking about, depending on what method of birth we're having, if you are having an infant through vaginal delivery, the first microbes your um, infant's going to pick up is actually through um, your gut microbiome because it's to do with your fecal bacteria. So that's the first bacteria that your infant is really going to have a large amount of exposure to. So making sure that your gut microbiome is optimised at that point is then going to be beneficial as well for your infant. Wow. So literally sort of the, the state of our gut microbiome in pregnancy can have an impact 
not just on our kind of pregnancy outcome or our, our child's immediate health, but actually potentially years down the line as well. Yes, yes. So there are some really Amazing. interesting research about things like um, cesarean section. Oh, sorry, can't speak. Cesarean And things like antibiotics, and then complications may be further and life things like diabetes, obesity um, for infants. Obviously, again, this is not to scaremonger anyone. Um, these are things that have to be done either for your own choice or for medical reasons. And it's not about kind of um, putting, making your parents worried about the choices that they have to make. And um, that's not what this is about, but it's just informing them. So they think, okay, so I did have my infant through C-section. So now I need to think, how can I support their gut health to ensure they haven't missed any of that kind of good bacteria? Yeah, definitely. And then I wonder, so um, for example, if a mum does plan a vaginal birth, um, because mm -hmm. she knows that's going to be great for her um, infant's gut health and she's optimised hers in pregnancy and, and then for some reason, one or another, um, ends up giving birth by cesarean section. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, so we don't want that to be any sort of guilt. Cesarean section is life-saving and that's amazing. Exactly, and, and sometimes yeah. that is the safest and the best way to, for that, for that um, baby to be born. That's, that's absolutely brilliant mm -hmm. and fine. But I wonder how then, if we think about um, like breastfeeding, for example, mm -hmm. whether we can make choices in the postpartum to then try and enhance our baby's gut health and, and our own, I suppose, in that recovery period. Yes, yeah, 100%. Like I said, that if you do have to have that, then it's not, oh gosh, there's nothing I can do now. There's plenty you can do. So like you mentioned breastfeeding, this is another great way to help support your infant's gut microbiome. Breast milk contains both friendly bacteria itself um, from your own um, body and it also contains these really clever sugars they're called human milk oligosaccharides and again it's something amazing that females have kind of evolved to create um, so our body actually donates energy to create these type of sugars that us as um, like female, like women or a mother can't do anything with um, and it's actually just for your infant to feed their friendly bacteria and this helps the friendly bacteria grow in their guts and also produces beneficial compounds as well, which can help further support that development. So it's, yeah, so clever again. Um, and that is something that can help support your infant's gut microbiome, breastfeeding. Again, it, breastfeeding is not always going to be for every woman, maybe either personal choice or they can't for some reason. So that shouldn't be, again, something that you feel embarrassed or ashamed about. Um, other things that also can help if you're bottle feeding is things like skin to skin contact is going to be great. Also, as soon as they kind of are old enough and it's safe being outside in nature, that's really going to help as well. Um, and then when we're looking when they're a little bit older, things like weaning as well, making sure that you're introducing them to a variety of different foods as well. Because um, there are many factors that are going to be impacting um, our children's gut microbiome. So things like geographical location is going to have a big impact and even things like if you do maybe live in quite a rural area even just where possible trying to take the path rather than walking along the road that's going to have a positive impact on their gut microbiome and um, having lots of interaction with different people obviously it's been a little bit harder this year um, and last year and not kind of be able to see everyone um, but once we can do that again normally that is going to have an impact as well also having pets is going to impact um, your infant's gut microbiome. So I'm not saying that you have to get a dog or a cat. Oh no, I've taken that as a given. I've been pestering <laughs> yeah. my husband for a dog for years. So now I'm like, right, tick, <laughs> get that puppy. Yeah, you need to see something, we'll just go, it's good if I got help, so I need a dog. <laughs> but yeah, there are so many factors kind of
kind of postpartum that are going to be having a big impact and a role in that development as well. And then also we have things like probiotics um, as well. So these are your life friendly bacteria supplements. And there are probiotics that are safe for infants. Um, so if you are looking to rebuild the gut microbiome, especially if it has been disturbed through things like C-section or antibiotics, or maybe um, if you are formula feeding, that might be something worth considering. Amazing. Rebecca, just talking about um, probiotic supplements, <laughs> and this is something that I get loads and loads of questions about all the time through my kind of social media and things. How can we, because I think with all supplements, there's always like a range, isn't there? There's, there's yeah. those ones that might just be full of fillers and those ones that actually might help your health. Yeah. I just wonder if you've got any kind of tips or advice to um, expectant mums or, or newly postpartum mums about how to select a probiotic that's actually going to do what it, what it should do and isn't just going to be sort of throwing money away. Yes, yeah, of course. No, and this is such a great point because I think now when we go to, if we're like searching probiotics um, online or going into maybe like Holland Navarro or something, there is so many to choose it's from. such it, a range. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. Um, so when we're looking at probiotic for our infant, first thing is to always make sure that actually it has been specifically formulated for infants um, because they will have a different gut microbiome to adults. So they'll have different species of the good bacteria present in their gut. So it's important to get one that is suited for them. Also avoiding one, like you mentioned, with loads of extra kind of fillers and additives that they don't need and you want to be avoiding. Also, then it would just be making sure that it's suitable for both the age of your infant and whether it's specific to formula or breastfed infants or if it's suitable for both, because this can have an impact as well. And then the last thing I would do is just always contact the company that's doing the probiotic. I think that is, for me, the best way to really find out exactly what it does and is it going to be beneficial. Um, you can have a look at the specific bacterial strains that are inside the product um, and seeing if there is any research done on that strain. But I think if you haven't really delved into that well before, it can be very overwhelming. It's a lot of confusing names of the bacteria and then just kind of it's like 10 page kind of scientific article, which I mean, isn't always the most exciting to read, especially if you've just got a newborn, I think it's probably like the last thing you want to be doing. <laughs> I was going to say, those, those um, bacteria names as well are like something of Harry Potter, aren't they? That's yeah, so confusing. Yeah, so even I'm sort of like, how am I supposed to read this? Yeah, can't <laughs> um, spell it or say it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would just reach out um, and they should be able to help you um, kind of understand exactly what is in it. That's just kind of my number one advice. And then you get a bit of a sense as well about kind of, who they are as a company and if they can as well be trusted because yeah like I said there are so many especially on Amazon as well you have pages and pages of them um so I think that can be really helpful brilliant that's really helpful and also I know um I know so probio 7 that that you're working with at Mayman I know they've sent me some amazing research linked to mm. the specific strains that are in your probiotics so actually yeah. if a if a company can do that, then at least it narrows down the kind of reading that you might be doing around yeah. this. So you haven't got a massive kind of Google search. Actually, you've just got one or two articles you can read, which is a little bit less overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So we try and help people as much as we can. Um, and I do nutrition consultations um, for free with Pro by 7. Um, so that's another time as well where I get a lot of parents asking me about the probiotics because if you haven't even taken them yourself and it's very new to you, it can be a bit kind of worrying you might be a little bit reserved and it's not something that you get through your GP it's not a medicine it is a food supplement and um, so people can be a little hesitant um to give it to their infant so it is just really nice I think just to talk it out with someone um, and get that advice 
Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, one of the things that we hear or certainly I've heard um, or seen when I've um, in my pregnancy journey mm. is the link between a gut microbiome of a mother in pregnancy yeah. and then potentially um, increasing or or in affecting the rates of allergies in infants. Is that something that there is evidence to support? Yes, so yeah, this is true. Um, so I touched on this earlier about an allergy and it is just our body um, reacting, irre- um, sorry, I can't say the word now. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's all those long bacteria that you've been I know, reacting. <laughs> um, so our body just kind of doesn't react um, appropriately um, to a substance that actually is, um, harmless but our body thinks it is harmful and that's when we get kind of a reaction um, and actually allergies are pretty common at the moment in children at, and are on the rise um, so when our immune system is developing I won't go too into detail but they're kind of two parts of our immune system and to make sure that it's developed properly we've got to make sure that when we've got the right bacteria there and also we are getting exposed to these potential kind of um, bugs maybe and things like pollen and dust so our body kind of from a young age knows exactly how to react to it and is it going to be harmful is it not um and there is some research at the moment and because we are growing up now this is kind of in the last 10 20 years in such a clean environment we're not really being exposed to these bugs anymore so it means our immune system is kind of a bit out of whack which means that it just reacts so inappropriate to these kind of bugs um and this also can come down to pregnancy as well. Um, so things like I touched on earlier, um, infants born by C-section will have a higher risk of developing um, allergic diseases later in life. And this is because that kind of first um, development of their gut microbiome is a little bit stunted as they don't pick up on that fecal microbiome from their um, mother. Also, um, antibiotics as well can disrupt the development because it kills off the good bacteria. However, it's kind of not all lost. Um, there has been research that showed taking a friendly bacteria supplement during pregnancy can help reduce the risk of infant allergies um, and also fish oil supplements as well um, can help reduce it. Um, and also things like probiotics as well in infancy can also support that development of the gut microbiome and then help reduce the risk of allergies developing. Um, so yeah, like I said, there is a link there between pregnancy and allergies but there are kind of things we can do to support the immune system and help reduce kind of the chances of that happening. That's really good to know, isn't it? Because I know that's something that's really on lots of new mums' minds as we see lots and lots more children Mm. developing allergies or, you know, allergic reaction kind of associated um, conditions. So that's good to know that actually it's quite empowering, is it? If we've got this information, there's stuff we can actively do to support our health and the health of our child. And probably the easiest time I would say is in pregnancy to control your child's health <laughs> when, yeah. when they're outside and got a mind of their own that's a whole other thing or at least when they're yeah. inside of you they haven't got much say in what happens yeah, yeah. you know exactly where they are and you can just say call them yeah. 
<laughs> they're getting what they're given while they're inside. <laughs> so Rebecca, that, I mean, I'm totally sold. We want to absolutely be increasing our gut health. It all yeah. sounds like great positive stuff. What can we actually do? Tell us what we can do to try and boost our gut health and microbiome in, in pregnancy, postpartum, and I guess for life. Yeah, yeah, of course. So the first thing that we look at is our diet. Um, so when we're looking at diet, we're thinking, are we getting in different like plant-based foods and we're hitting that diversity? So we generally look for 30 different types of plant-based foods um, per week. So this includes things like fruits and vegetables and legumes, whole grains, nuts and seeds and herbs and spices. And generally those who eat 30 different, um, different types of plant-based foods per week have a more diverse gut microbiome, which is then a general indicator of good gut health. That's kind of the first thing at diet and then we'd be looking at are you getting enough fiber so we'll often hear about fiber and gut health um, and this is because fiber acts as a food source for our friendly bacteria to help them grow and thrive in our gut so important that we're hitting um enough fiber generally speaking unfortunately in the uk we're not hitting that fiber so i generally just kind of recommend to everyone just try and increase your fiber intake um, and this is just really small changes. So things like switching white bread and carbohydrates to whole grain versions, snacking on fruit and nuts, um, topping food with things like seeds or maybe like chai seeds, sunflower seeds, um, and trying to add some more vegetables to your meals. Um, if you're kind of not ready to go plant-based, um, you're a little bit hesitant, just things like adding a few extra vegetables in um, or adding some beans and pulses in as well um, will make a really big difference. Um, that's kind of diet and I guess and a lot then, of those sorry Rebecca a lot of those yeah. fiber based foods actually would mm-hmm. be one of those 30 wouldn't they when we think about yes. so that's quite a nice kind of dual you can kind of combat yes. both of those in one go I guess yeah exactly yes yeah. so kind of the more diversity you are getting in your diet generally speaking the more fiber that you're then eating so they do go really nicely mm-hmm. hand in hand and um, which is great and is that where the eat the rainbow comes from as well? That we should be having all different yes. colours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, getting in all the colours. Um, I also say as well to people, a good way to try and almost force yourself to try different things um, is also to eat seasonally as much as possible. Um, one, then you're almost forcing yourself to try different sorts of fruits and vegetables. Um, also, you'll find that it can be cheaper and just tastes a lot nicer when it's in season. So that's sometimes another nice thing just to even just to get you started because it can be quite overwhelming if you're really used to having kind of the same meals um, each week and it can be easy for some people you know exactly we're getting in the supermarket but it is just good to step slightly out of your comfort zone and just mix it up a little bit even if maybe you have peas every night aside your kind of can't think of a meal now um <laughs> yeah maybe peas with like what should we eat tonight <laughs> what I have maybe like the classic may be peas alongside your sausage and mash why don't next time you have asparagus or maybe mix some sweet potato in with the um mash as well so it is just thinking of those really really small changes i would never kind of advocate someone changing their whole diet as it's not sustainable in the long run people aren't going to enjoy it um so it is just yeah all these like little things that you can do we've been trying to do things like instead of we love like frozen fruit and smoothies and stuff but Mm. rather than just buying like blueberries we've been buying like the mixed one or like the mixed seeds mixed nuts stuff like that that's just what we were kind of eating anyway but just a little bit more diversity than kind of one type would that count perfect yes am I ticking that box (laughs) yes you are yeah that's perfect and yeah like you said you're just mixing something that you wouldn't normally have but it really makes no difference um really to the overall 
kind of taste on what you're eating, which is, yeah, great. And I mean, frozen food is such a great one to then increase your diversity because it's so easy just having like frozen peas or frozen carrots, something that you can just quickly add to things like stews. And then you've increased your fiber, you've increased your plant-based diversity um, and it's perfect. And it's just so much cheaper sometimes buying frozen. Um, yeah, and then you don't worry about things going off. So you're a little bit, I guess, yeah. more willing to try something a bit different because you know it will store in your freezer rather than you've got to eat yeah. it within the next three days. Yeah, exactly. You've got to like force yourself to have it all. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, frozen food is great. And yeah, something I always recommend people say, haven't really kind of thought about before I think people can worry that maybe it's not as nutritious um but actually normally it's frozen at the time of like harvesting so actually preserving the nutrients um it's obviously just things you've got to be careful about how you're cooking it so if you are cooking it in loads of water instead of steaming it so things like vegetables um it's better to steam them rather than just to let them boil in water because then you'll be losing the nutrients um so it's just things like that to think of but generally speaking frozen food is still as just as healthy as fresh amazing thank you i will uh, keep stocking the freezer yeah. <laughs> good um and then so we talk about our diet and then the next one we'll think about is lifestyle um so often when i speak to people who have digestive problems and they say to me i've cut out this 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 and this and i still have a problem i don't know what to do now and actually if they just address their lifestyle they'd probably find that a lot of these symptoms would go away um so things like reducing stress getting outside and um, doing plenty of exercise so i like to say 20 minutes per day all can have a really significant impact on your gut health and this is all down to the gut brain axis that i mentioned earlier um, and there's been really great research at the moment that people, especially with um, IBS, so irritable bowel syndrome, um, doing things like meditation and yoga can actually have just the same improvement on the digestive symptoms as it would if they were to change their whole diet, um, which I think I would much rather just do some yoga every day than having to cut out all of these food groups and follow some crazy, crazy diet. Yeah. Um, so it, it has, yeah, a really big impact. Um, on gut health and like I mentioned as well at the beginning I was someone that struggled really badly with kind of gut induced um, or stress induced gut problems um, so for me it's been really learning about how I can control that as well um, so that is another really big one that I would then look at um, and then the last thing is just bacterial supplements as well so I have mentioned these these are probiotics so your live beneficial bacteria and um, so you can either get them in supplements or you can get them from foods such as kefir lab yogurt sauerkraut and kimchi um, and these bacteria can help support digestive health um, especially for people who maybe have damaged their gut either through kind of medication um, or especially things like food poisoning as well or maybe lifestyle and um, so these can be beneficial for some people as well to help improve their gut health Oh, that's amazing. And I love that you mentioned kefir yogurt because that's you can get that in all supermarkets now. I feel like over the yeah. last six months, it's become so readily available. Like there's different brands and different flavors and it's really accessible. So that's a good one yeah. just to switch up from your standard yogurt, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. That is a really good one to try. Um, if you haven't before, sometimes these fermented foods, um, so these are the foods with the live bacteria in, can be quite a unique taste, some of them. And um, they can be a little bit sour, a little bit tangy. Um, but things like kefir is a really good place to start off with. Um, and they do do the flavoured ones. Um, also, if you go to the world, um, like world food section in the supermarket, it's often super cheap to get some kefir there because 
I mean, I think that they kind of are the people that did it before it was super popular in the UK. True, um, yeah. <laughs> so that is a good place to look as well. Or you can also make it yourself as well. Um, I make a beer and it's super easy. Um, also a good one if you can't digest uh, lactose very well, so if you're lactose intolerant, um, actually a lot of people can still have kefir because it's even partially broken down. So it is a good one to try. Oh, that's really interesting to know. Because I guess lots of people probably would think that was a kind of a rule out, but actually that that might be okay still. Yeah. And yeah, so many people have told me that it's really easy to make, but you'll have to send me a recipe because I still haven't tried to, <laughs> tried to do it. Everyone's like, it's literally so easy, but I still haven't ventured into it. So yeah, you have to share that with us. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, everyone that comes on, I always ask for three top tips. So I wondered if you could share with us, sorry, I'm, I'd like to put you on the spot right at the end. <laughs> Um, three top tips to um, expectant mums for boosting their microbiome health okay so the first one would be I'd say making these small swaps um, so things like I mentioned earlier switching your white bread or carbohydrates to brown or wholemeal and um, keeping the skins on kind of vegetables when you're cooking with them throwing in some extra veggies or stews to like a bullet um, sorry veggies or beans to like a stew or something um, and that will just kind of help increase your fiber, you're getting in that diversity. Um, the second one would be to either yourself if you're feeling up for it, or to ask some friends and family to make you some frozen meals. Um, I think that is such a great one to have, especially, I mean, we've given kind of all of these tips for cooking about your diet, but actually if you're absolutely exhausted, that is probably the last thing that you wanna do. So that would be another one. Um, and then the third one is, I know we've touched on it a few times today about kind of different things that can affect pregnancy. So maybe like birth mode and medication. Um, but it's just to kind of remove this feeling of guilt and blame behind them and just know that there are things that you can do throughout the whole journey. Um, and it's just to kind of get informed as possible. Um, it's just because you kind of the best chance and your infant the best chance. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's so true. Because it's not about, you know, so many things in, in life, but especially when it comes to pregnancy and birth, are well out of our control, aren't they? Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's taking those small steps that we can do, but, you know, not blaming yourself if, you know, it doesn't all go smoothly, because we all know there's plenty, plenty of twists and turns that can crop exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, we can't plan anything, really. Um, I think, yeah, we're always reminded of that, aren't we? That actually, life is just going to carry on, and we've just got to do our best to adapt um, and learn change and that is why I'm so passionate on really giving like mothers especially the information about gut health um during pregnancy and infancy so they can make those choices um and then be able to if something does happen along the way that they weren't expecting that they know exactly oh I need to do that to then kind of counteract almost so yeah yeah absolutely oh it's so empowering Rebecca thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge um because it really is so empowering to know that you know, these things that we can do that are quite simple in our pregnancy, with the information there, we can easily sort of adapt this and boost our microbiome for the health yeah. of our children. But if we don't know the information, then we don't know to do it. Exactly. So it's brilliant <laughs> to get it out there. I'm really, really grateful for you and um, sharing your expertise today. Good, I'm glad. Well, yeah, I had such a great time. Um, and yeah, hopefully I've given people some little tips um, and knowledge there. I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So thank you so <laughs> thank much. Thank you so much for listening afternoon. to this week's thank episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference 
to the number of women I can reach out to and empower with this information. For more daily free information, inspiration, or details on my bespoke antenatal education courses or your pregnancy journey course, then head over to my website, www.midwifepip.com and check out my Instagram page at midwife underscore pip. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.